0: Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb, and it is historic time, my friend. Are you excited?
1: Another historic episode of the Arena Decklist All right, Podcast. I How quit. many times do you think I, I can say that? It'll it'll definitely be the title of the episode this week, so uh, you don't you don't want to look at that.
0: Um, I'm going to start writing the titles again.
1: Uh, that's fine. I will, I will happily hand that back to you. I'm telling you, too, Like as I do more and more titles, I get closer and closer to just going with completely unhinged titles. And then I like stop myself at the last second. So the longer I am in charge of this task, the more likelihood of just a total nonsense. I had I had one that I was going to submit like two weeks ago. I don't remember what exactly it was, but I was really into alliteration that day. And it was like eight words that started with a B, like Brian Bands, bands, but big uh, you know something ridiculous like that and it was this close to being the title of the podcast
0: i like alliteration and no, I. no like, this
1: was stupid though. this is really stupid
0: i understand it i don't think it matters
1: okay that's, I think, that's probably true as well i don't think anyone's here for the titles
0: i think people are more likely to click on something like that than you know arena deck talks about standard or whatever
1: no you're, you're right
0: so Any, anything that whatever. grabs
1: attention is worth more.
0: Yeah. So, dude, let it fly. Let's go.
1: Get ready, everyone. Titles are about to get unhinged.
0: A a historic episode is not a good title because I've I've also used it like four times at this point, I think. Yeah, it's it's played out and I don't know, man. Nothing super like hot and spicy going on right now. I mean, thankfully, finally, is it Phoenix is the best deck, you know? So that's that's great. It's about time.
1: One of the best decks, but
0: yes, uh,
1: it it has taken that own where it is mostly uh, sat since they started printing blue cards that yeah. were beneficial. <laughs> so not a lot of changes there
0: i I don't know how many people like you know, i I think that there are a decent amount of people playing historic, but like i I want to know how many people are actually engaged in it, mm-hmm. even if it's you know not all year round or whatever. I think that that's kind of ridiculous, but just like, it's like a thing that they have cards for that they're interested in and like maybe if the format changes or they see a deck they like or whatever that they play i wonder how many of those people there are because i honestly feel like you know phoenix has been very good for some time and these blue cards got printed brainstorm memory laps, etc and this is just like the perfect time where if you missed the Delver era in standard, or you never picked the deck up in legacy or whatever. It's like, this is the perfect time to get acquainted with blue cantrip decks that really focus heavily on sequencing and stuff. Just like, please do that. And I know that the number of people that are super familiar with those decks is very low because otherwise more people would be playing Phoenix. More people would be playing channeler.
1: Yeah. Here, here's the problem right now. In this moment i i agree with you great time to do that thing and i remember at different points in my magic career putting myself through paces with various things of that ilk like being like okay i need to master this control deck i need i need to understand these matchups and it'll help me grow as a player but i always felt like there was return on it the return either being like oh maybe i'll win this ptq and and go to the pro tour
0: or are you about to get all nihilistic on
1: me or there could just be like some packs on magic online right i I crush a bunch of leagues and that was actual dollars in my pocket maybe not a lot of dollars but some dollars it felt good you walked away with something
0: that's a yes isn't it
1: (laughs) what are you walking away from (laughs) (laughs) arena when you are grinding out phoenix mirrors all day your number goes up a little Phoenix. bit, your number that nobody pays attention to or cares about, and there's no reward reward for. It. I mean, the rewards could be so damn small. That's what's frustrating about it. They don't have to be that big, but there's nothing. There's there's nothing to really reward you for equating, for for really understanding the Phoenix meta game and mastering that deck type. I I don't know where the incentives lie.
0: So first of all, there's not a ton of mirrors, which is what leads me to believe that there aren't a lot of people who are super familiar with that style of play. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like, you know, what keeps me playing like any sort of game that kind of like requires a daily login is like any sense of progress and, you know, like Pokemon go any of the, the gacha games that I play, whatever. It's just like, I feel like even when I do like these BS daily tasks, that my account is making progress. Mm-hmm. And for arena everything is so fake that like yeah the number of gold coins I get goes up or whatever but it's like you know what what am I going to do with those right yeah. it's like,
1: it's, well you're also super whale right so you're you're just going to buy everything when it comes out anyway so you're not in that position where you can actually benefit from if, that slow
0: if i ha- yeah if i have to buy something that i will but yes. but like if if acquiring like the random bonus card it gives you from daily wins was like, Oh, this is like dust towards my next mythic or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I, I felt that playing Hearthstone, you know? Yeah. I I, like, I kept careful track of like my dust count and everything basically at all times and knew like what deck I was working towards next and stuff like that. And I spent money on Hearthstone too, but like, I wasn't, you know, wailing like this because I didn't need to make like day one content. Right. But right. You know, I I think that there are a lot of people out there. I I mean, even like right now, it's like I have historic zombies built, but I don't have all the random rares. I don't have like diagraph Colossuses and Dark Salvations. But like if I was working towards like more rares that I could dust to craft those, it it would get me to log in more. But everything's so fake. It's just like, why? Why do I even do it?
1: Yeah, you're working towards a, a pack opening, which you can't even open a pack for the cards you want. So it's not even like you can play the lottery. It's just you're letting your vault progress go up or you're hoping to spike a random wild card or increase your little yeah, circle he, that gives you payouts every now and then. Give me a booster pack ticket. Give me a wild card, at least for some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, tickets like, are a good idea. And that's that's heavily used in most gotcha games. Right. A little bit more selection
0: anyway obviously we could just complain about arena one of my
1: favorite things to do as everyone can can obviously tell
0: on the arena decklist podcast no list. it's just a delight anyway (laughs) the the reward is that the gameplay is like fun rewarding engaging
1: it is i agree with you
0: and it's not for everyone don't get me wrong i'm not trying to you know if if you're like hardcore aggro player or whatever yeah maybe this is not for you hardcore control player maybe it's not for you whatever but I do think that it will help you down the line. I do think it is the best deck right now. There is a qualifier this weekend. And when this cast goes up, you'll have like a little bit of time to prepare. And I don't know, like the deck list is mostly commons and uncommons, right? So
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think this one's too bad to slap together with the exception of like your arc light phoenixes, which will be mythics, uh, and then some other options on the mythic side that you Probably should play in a lot of instances. But why don't we why don't we talk about some specifics with Is It Phoenix? Because I hear you speak and it sounds like you're speaking uh, not just from a metagame observing standpoint. It feels like you have your reps in with this deck. And I kind of do, too. I wouldn't say I've played uh, more Phoenix than anything else, but I've played enough of it where I I have some opinions about the archetype now.
0: Well, Brian, I read this article earlier this week on StarCityGames.com.
1: Good website. Great writers there. Who is it by?
0: Uh, Brian Gottlieb. I was, I was thinking Incredible about like- writer, just top yeah, shelf. I was, I was trying to think of if I should like dagger you or not, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it was a good opportunity for it, but there's just no reason for it. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah, my, my ego and, uh, my happiness is pretty fragile right now. So okay. it's pro- probably good to pass on the daggers when you- No, come.
0: you are, you are excellent. The article was excellent. And, uh, there is a list. Well, okay. So the, the article- <laughs> It's missing some alliteration, I'll be honest, the article title. That's, but it, that's true. It is a guide to Historic, courtesy of the Red Bull Untapped series. So uh, Red Bull Untapped currently going on. They're hosting qualifiers for that, standard yep. and historic. On Arena, if you want to check those things out. And it was won by uh, Takumi Utsonomiya playing Is It Phoenix? And normally I look at a Phoenix deck and... I'm just like, especially lately with like all the storm wing entities and things like that. Where I'm Mm -hmm. just like, why? Why are people doing this? And I looked at Takumi's deck and I'm just like, beautiful.
1: Yeah, really, really well built deck. It it sort of sung off the page at me. And I'm like, well, there's a reason this person won this tournament. And I, I don't know... That there's anything I would actually do different in the main deck. Maybe I would be so just I, laying I out, changed
0: some stuff. <laughs> okay.
1: Just laying out Takumi's deck. It's uh 14 creatures, four Arc Light, two Ox of Agonis, four Dragon Rage, Dragon's Rage Channeler, four smoldering eggs. I'm pretty comfortable only playing one ox. I, I just think like I don't know. I've I've always played Phoenix with less reliance on ox than most other lists I've seen. And it's not because I have anything against Ox as a card. It's just like uh, I kind of like spinning my wheels probably a little bit more and using more of the cantrip side. But I think I'd like maybe consider a second finale of promise in that slot as opposed to the Ox. But there's really not much else I would change. And the core is set at this point. You have your 12 one mana cantrips that you are always, always, always going to play. And they are great cantrips.
0: Opt consider Faithless Looting. uh, Rest of Takumi's deck. Is four unholy heat, four expressive iteration, one finale, 21 land, and then four Archmage's charms, which I was like, okay, maybe this is kind of genius, but I cut him.
1: You cut them. Interesting. So, my big thing right now is just adding Archmage's charm to everything in his story.
0: <laughs> I mean, given the results from this tournament, that's kind of what everyone's doing. And yeah. I, I get it. And in a lot of decks, it's very easy to make happen. And, Mm -hmm. uh, last week I wrote about Azorius control and historic in a post memory lapse world. And I think that that deck is still solid. Maybe need some new updates with, uh, the results of this tournament, but yeah, like part of the fun of the blue control decks is like, well, you start with four arc charm and then you design the mana base around that, you Mm -hmm. know? So I get it. Like the the deck does want some amount of interaction and it does want card quantity to some degree just like having more resources means you have like more cards to pitch to faithful Looting and stuff like that but it is pretty pretty awkward in a deck with dragon's rage channeler and the mana base compensates for it for sure like you have fable passage and only one basic mountain it's just like it's too awkward for me man and the deck doesn't need it okay it's also just like bad bad with phoenix kind of because you know, you you want to play a bunch of spells on a turn, not eh, Archmage's Charm you can like use to draw into more spells on tap and then play three spells. So I kind of get that. But with with Consider Opt, Faithless Looting, you don't have an issue with that really.
1: So talk to me. I, I mean, I, it doesn't do me any good to say, no, this card is great. What are you replacing it with? What are you playing instead of Archmage's Charm that you think makes the deck better?
0: So my list has... I'm going to see if I can... Uh, actually say the exact numbers okay so i want to talk about ox of agonis in full but i am minus two ox minus four charm and one iteration so that's seven cards okay and i am plus a land of finale three faithful salvaging and two pillar of flame OK, so so, so I, I, minus seven plus seven.
1: Yeah. And you're basically going, I don't I don't want to say more cantrips. because That's not what Faithless Salvaging is, but it, it does help on the rebound turns to really do a good job of fueling your Phoenixes. And I've spoken to a lot of people who don't like this card. I know my, my brother plays a lot of it at Phoenix and he hates Faithless Salvaging, which just cuts it from his deck every time. And I'm like, what are you doing? I think this card is completely fine.
0: It's really good with the egg, too.
1: That's so, a good point. Yeah.
0: So, so the egg is a thing that. It's just like okay, this this takes the deck to the next level where I was playing Sprite Dragon because generally you want to you know play some setup in the first couple of turns. Maybe that's a channeler or a two-drop creature or something. And then on turn three, you play three spells, return a phoenix, right? And a two-mana creature fits into that so well, which is why I don't like the entity because Mm -hmm. it means that you want to like entity on three instead of phoenix. And the egg is is just excellent. It's it's a better blocker against aggro where, you know, you don't necessarily need the help, but it does help for sure. And it's just like a very good threat that isn't relying on the graveyard. So it has a lot of similarities to Sprite Phoenix but, or Sprite Dragon, but it's just way better against aggro decks.
1: This might be a really stupid question. I'm just thinking of it right in this moment. If, if Thing in the Ice were legal, it would still be better than Smoldering Egg, right?
0: No, I don't think no, so. No, it wouldn't be. I don't think so. So I I will be honest. I think I played like 20 matches over the last few days since I saw the article and I've transformed the egg probably five times total, which isn't like, Oh, it's been sitting in play and like I didn't have enough spells to transform it or whatever. That's not really what's going on. It's mostly just like they kill it immediately, which is completely fine given yeah. the rest of what the deck's doing. Yeah, yeah. But once you transform it, it is game over. And There are definitely matchups where Thing in the Ice would be game over, but I think the egg overall is just like way more threatening and like just as good against the beatdown decks as Thing would be.
1: That's interesting. Like I said, I hadn't really given it much thought. It's not very useful. I mean, we don't have Thing in the Ice, so whatever, Uh, unless you're trying to do something in other formats in this same type of setup. But we're missing a lot of the tools we have in Historic because Historic's weird, and uh, we still have our Faithless lootings here. So I, I, I don't know that this is even worth pursuing at least until thing in the ice actually shows up in historic, which maybe it will. Who knows? Anything can happen there.
0: Yeah. I, I, I like, I like the egg. I, I like, uh, salvaging like, I, I don't know if you want to go harder on the salvaging stuff and play like fiery temper type of things, but you know, that that's definitely a thing that you could do as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, overall, the the deck has just been very, very good. I do think that Ag just kind of like solidifies you against Agro and you have a plentiful amount of options for not running out of gas. Like you can play Finale, um, you can play Charm, you can play Ox, whatever. But uh, it, like deck is just great now. It kind of just has like everything it needs.
1: No, it's felt really good. Uh, your decision to play pillar is that like people should be playing more Phoenix. So I'm going to prepare for it, but it's also just fine in most other spots as well.
0: I just like having more removal. Yeah, like uh, Phoenix Phoenix against the creature decks is like uh, you just become a control deck for the most part. Mm-hmm. So you need those removal spells somewhere. And pillar is a, a proactive thing that you can do to return your Phoenixes or, you know, transform your eggs or whatever. Uh, So it's fine. It just feels like charm kind of does the same thing, but I'm mostly scared of like the two drops and not the one drops necessarily. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I'd much rather like pillar uh, Athalia or Esper Sentinel or whatever than try and beat those cards with Archmage's charm, right?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did you say your part about Axe of Agonis? I know you said you wanted to go yeah, full so, bar into that card. Yeah,
0: so I want to talk about it. I do like the card, and I think the deck does a really good job of filling its graveyard, especially with Channeler. Mm-hmm. And it, it's weird because it's it's more of a game one card than a sideboard card because you're normally facing graveyard hate
1: in right. the board games. Yes, yeah, so you'd like to become less graveyard reliant at that point.
0: Yeah, good. I mean, normally it'd be like, oh, I'll play like one of these main deck to have access to you. And then in the post-board games, you board in the second for like the grindy matchups. But that plan doesn't really work with Ox because it relies on the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to play them, play the main deck for sure. Uh, finale is is like okay with the egg because you get the front half, but not the back half. Okay. You know what I mean?
1: Not uh, really, Yeah.
0: No. Uh So the, the egg... You get, you get the
1: X cost, but you don't get the cost from, from the spells because you, you don't pay the amount of cost. Yeah, and,
0: and the ox doesn't help with that either. So it's, yep. it's kind of a wash there. And I think that finale just being like this one card thing that returns Phoenix is so much better. And it doesn't take as many cards out of your graveyard, which in in games where you're kind of like resource light or they like to your graveyard once, keeping your channelers online does kind of matter. Mm-hmm. Whereas ox, it, it could very easily just like take you uh, off of Delirium or yep. force you Exile a Phoenix, you know? It, it's the same problem I have
1: in rectos Arcanus, which I'm going to make us talk about later on. Yeah, like, that's
0: fine. I can talk and, about that deck too. And
1: every single time I see Crocs in that deck, like, I get it. I know what you're trying to do, but, like, I don't think ultimately you end up with the best version of this strategy when you're just clearing out your graveyard repeatedly and you're playing low-impact cards like Stitcher's Supplier. I, I don't want to play that game plan with the... Uh, Rakdos cards available I want to play Colligan's Command and I want to uh, leverage the fact that I'm the best Thoughtseize deck in the format because I do have Dreadhorde Arcanist to routinely do that and yes that leaves you a little bit thinner on threats but there's other options you can go wide with things like Young Pyromancer or I I just think there's other ways to play these games and people get too caught up on the of thing and I get it like you're a Lurist deck so your ability to get big is limited by that. Uh, But I think for that deck to really take it to the next level, it's going to have to be a little bit leaner in the future.
0: I think so too. Also like the Citrus supplier engine was a thing that you played because you didn't really have better options, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is, that's not an engine that's really existed anywhere else. Like people just kind of figured it out in historic because that was kind of like all you could do. And now you can just do better stuff.
1: I agree with you. I think there's, plenty of fair game plans you can execute as the Rakdos deck that aren't like fuel my graveyard and then puts you in a little bit better spot for board games you know if they want to challenge you in that fashion but your deck is just like you know yes there's dreadheart arcanist and dragon's rage channeler which are getting value from the graveyard but if you're really just a mid-range deck let them waste cards on doing that you'll find other ways to win the game so
0: yeah like a soul guide lantern board against Rakdos is always so good yep and if if you're only Arcanist DRC, then Soul Guide Lanterns is not that big of a deal.
1: Yep. And but- the, the shift to Young Pyromancer, like I know it feels kind of outmoded at this point. It it really is fine. It gets the job done. And I, I think the card probably is less respected than it should be, which is, you know, just how these things go. The collective consciousness around a card sort of turns in one direction. And for all the time that Young Pyromancer was heralded as a, as a hero... I think it's sort of caught a rap as being underwhelming at this moment, but I, I don't think that's really the case. I think the card's still absolutely fine. Yep.
0: Uh, so yeah, basically, like I think it's between ox and finale, and Takumi played two ox, one finale. I think I would just play two finale and more two mana cantrips to like help you set up for Phoenix on three. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like, do I actually need the ox? And I, I, I didn't really feel like I needed it because we had better options and like you have iteration to help keep the cards flowing and everything. Yeah. I, I love Ox of Agonis. I think it's good. I think it's good in this deck, but it's also like the third best thing that you can be doing for that effect.
1: I'm on board with that. Uh, like I said, the only change I would really make is to up a finale down an Ox. And I'm still on the Archmage's charm side of things for the time being, but I, I respect your approach as well. I think that everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Uh, with a few more games, you might be able to turn me to just playing straight up your deck list.
0: Yeah. Charms charms are just a little clunky. You know, if you want a little bit of power, if you want uh, kind of like an answer to uh, Mizzic's mastery sort of yeah. things in game one, you want some amount of interaction for combo. Then, yeah, I still, then I I still see a
1: lot of that stuff, too. I still see like a merging ultimatum on the ladder, just like weird stuff where I'm like, uh, I should probably be challenging the stack a little bit.
0: So Yeah. I mean, also, if you want to play like a Soul Guide Lantern main because you have Dragon's Rage Channeler, and Unholy Heat, that's completely fine, too. Mm hmm. So I, I generally play like more Graveyard Hate than a lot of the, the decks that I see.
1: Seems fine to me. Uh, so so the way I wrote this article that you referenced is I set up some buckets and. I think I want to revisit those buckets here in the podcast because I, I do think they're a good way to look at this format.
0: I do. The, too. I, I think the article is great.
1: The first bucket I set up was an Arc Light Phoenix bucket, but the other things I had floating around with was I called it the Arc Light Phoenix Delver of Secret Delver of Secrets Dragon's Rage Channeler bucket, and maybe that's not like the best summation. Maybe it really is just DRC decks. Yeah, it's, it's DRC, and I, I'm fine with that definition. But other DRC decks that are out there mono red to any playing with this deck uh, to me I, it seems like a kind of slightly more aggressive bend on the cantrip uh sticky threat because i use mana gorgeous magic mana gorger mag- phoenix a lot of the time uh not only is it a difficult card to pronounce apparently it's a difficult card to remember exactly what it does as that is one of the historic exclusive cards yep uh, as opposed to the other phoenix we were all very used to um but I think there is some merit to going in this direction. You just have to sort of want to end games a little bit earlier, not maybe not be as comfortable playing long. And there's incentives in the format to do that, as I see more control where they are eventually going to get bigger than you. And especially if they set up for Phoenix being the best deck, which as the deck gains more respect, I think people should do. You could talk me into having Mono Red Madness also in my in my arsenal.
0: Monorad's very good. So, this deck is uh, Bowman Career, Season Pyromancer, Magmatic Channeler, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Blazing Root Wall, a Gorger Phoenix, Fiery Temper, Faithless Looting, Unholy Heat, and then like, I don't know, some Spice, an Ox of Bone Crusher Giant. There are some uh, DFCs and Spike Field Hazard, Shatter Skull Smashing, and then lands have Mountains, Ram and App Dan of the Bugbear. lot of
1: reach out of the lands there like that?
0: Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it matters a lot. The lands are super nice right yep this is basically a more aggressive version of is it phoenix that's a little bit less flexible and you get card advantage off of fiery temper occasionally you get card advantage from bowman courier if it actually lives and uh oxfogonis season or things like that going late but like a lot of the time is it phoenix is able to like draw a cantrip in the mid game and kind of find what it needs. Whereas this is like, Oh, I'm drawing a magmatic channeler. And I hope this four, four is good. And then in the post board games, Phoenix really gets to kind of configure itself however it wants to. Like, do I want to be a bunch of like spot removal and card drawing? Do I want to be some stack interaction, some graveyard interaction and just like card drawing to really bring all that together. And Mm -hmm. Mono red is always stuck in the game plan of like, well, I have to attack first, disrupt you later. And like, hope that works out. So there are pros and cons to it for sure uh this time a couple of weeks ago i thought monorad was basically just like a better version of is it phoenix because that game plan was actually really good
1: what has changed to alter your perception of this deck
0: i think things like humans and just like a lot of other weird decks too like memory lapse got axed and somehow it feels like the control decks got like more popular i don't know it's it's weird but basically like I, I guess the format opened up too. like, that's probably the result of of memory lapse being gone is that people now can do like these weird decks, which means means that like aggression is probably better than like, well, on turn three, I bring back a Phoenix and attack you for three or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, that's, that's like a little too slow. And if you don't have the charms in your main deck, you don't have a lot of ways to interact with a lot of the random strategies. Whereas the mono red deck could like goldfish you on turn four pretty reasonably.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that approach. It's funny how this sort of mirrors what happened in modern too, where is it Phoenix was like the first thing, and then there became this more streamlined red deck. And certainly there's differences here, not even using the same Phoenix, but there's enough of a call out that it definitely reminds me of how that format went as well.
0: Yeah. And then the, the model Red Deck, you have uh, Goblin Chain Whirler in the sideboard, which is awesome against the humans decks. Yeah, pretty good, pickup. pretty good mirror matches. Uh, You have uh, a Braid for random Graveyard Hate, Extra Removal, Roiling Vortex. uh, Just good against like emergent Ultimatum, stuff like that. And the control decks. And it's like the sideboard is very straightforward, but it's effective. It does kind of just like solve your problems, too. So a lot of hammers. Yeah. If you want to just keep it simple and just attack and do some fancy stuff with your beatdown deck, this deck's really good.
1: Cool. So that brings us to the last member of this bucket. And this is the one where I think this hasn't quite been figured out yet. And that's Delver List. Sort of pure tempo-y Delver of Secrets, Dragon's Rage Channeler, usually Sprite Dragon in the mix. Is there a home for Delver in this format? I mean, I get that it's not Dragon's Rage Channeler. But there's something to be said for redundancy. Having two one drops that change the pace of the game so dramatically, there's, there should be some deck that could take advantage of it. If you look at the list that's from my article, you know, Delver didn't do particularly well in this Red Bull on tap turn. There was a list further down and it, it did seem to be looking more towards that tempo-y type game with three Spell Pierce main, three Fading Hope. Is it just looking for the right moment where Spell Pierce and Fading Hope are the cards you want to be playing in the format?
0: Well, uh, you, you talked about redundancy. Uh, the the buckets that you, or the the bucket, I guess that you separated these decks into was like DRC, Delver, Arclay Phoenix, and I think it, it is starting with DRC and then finding the secondary threat to that. Mm-hmm. So either it's Arclay Phoenix or it's Delver of Secrets or a plethora of options in the mono red deck, right? Like Mana or Phoenix, I guess would be the next thing that you turn to, but right. it it makes sense to not just have Dragon's Rage Channeler and have a a secondary threat. And this is very similar to the Phoenix decks. And you could look at it like, you know, do I want to be reliant on the graveyard and do the Lake Phoenix thing? Or do I want to try and make Delver of Secrets work? And I think that Delver is playable. It does work. But do you want to be very low to the ground or do you want to have like that recursion, be able to play like a little bit of a longer game that Arclight Phoenix does, Mm. and I I think Arclight wins out in a lot of those instances, but Delver is still playable. I played around with Delver a little bit when Lapse was still legal, and that deck was like kind of good, actually.
1: Loss of Lapse has to hurt it. I mean, that's a a tailor-made card for a tempo strategy like Delver.
0: Right, and it just gave you answers to so many different things. Now, this deck has three copies of Spell Pierce, which really accomplishes a lot of the same goals in mm-hmm. a lot of the matchups. So sure. it does kind of still have that going on. Uh, one of the aspects that the Delver deck I played had was like the burn spell with the charge counters, like the historic only thing.
1: Yeah. I don't know the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. So this is
0: like static charge or something, something like that. Something like that. Yep. Uh card is a sorcery, which I found out the hard way, But <laughs> okay. but like that card was solid. This one, this list plays Royal Eruption, like two Royal Eruption, one Lightning Strike. I don't know. Like, Going late and then uh, using using that card was actually pretty nice.
1: Especially with DRC, uh, I, I think there's ways to leverage that if you're going to do anything from the graveyard, like Dreadhorde Arcanist appears in this list. Now, granted, you have to pump in that scenario, and I actually don't think there's any way to do that here, but something to think about if you want to uh, look towards those kind of late games.
0: Yeah, so the the Delver deck is like you're way better against combo because you just kind of get under them and you get to play Spell Pierce, which is... Classic Delver. Yeah, a reactive card that doesn't necessarily fit into Is It Phoenix. Yep. And then you have like some burn spells to close it out, but against any deck that's like a bunch of fatal pushes or whatever, you're really going to wish you had Arclight Phoenix instead. And I think that's mostly where we are or at the very least with Is It Phoenix, you can configure your deck to be good against both of those types of matchups.
1: Sure. Yeah, I I don't think Delver is bad. I think it's just waiting for a moment. I think it exploits a certain type of deck. Whereas, like you said, Phoenix can be tailor-made to do anything. And that's sort of the hallmark of a tier zero deck of a format. You can always adapt. And that's where I just see, is it Phoenix sitting right now? Uh, I, I will say that thinking more about this and making this the DRC bucket makes sense to me. I think Arcanist probably belongs in this bucket as well, because it's trying to do the same thing, except with the disruption side of the coin right. uh, and discard based disruption. So I would probably move that to uh, this particular bucket. But I don't really have much more to say about that. I kind of said my spiel and anything you want to add about Arcanist while we're in this bucket?
0: It's it's a solid card. It's it's not that bad in blue red now that you have considered to go along with. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's definitely cool it's pairing with fading hope is nice because it allows blue red to clear bigger creatures. So I, I like this as like the tertiary threat in the Delver deck. And then there's also two Sprite dragons. So I, I think for what this is for being a Delver deck, I think it's pretty well built.
1: Okay. And how about Arcanist in the, the Rakdos type homes, anything you want to say about that setup? Or it,
0: I mean, it's the best card in those decks. It's just a matter of like, are those decks good enough? And I'm kind of with you, I feel like they could use a rebuild. I think you start with like DRC Arcanist Thoughtseize, just kind of go from there and figure it out. But my experience yeah. has been that you end up like 10 or 12 cards short of what you would really want to play in that sort of deck.
1: Yeah, now now I'm thinking what happens if you do add that burn spell you mentioned there. Uh, be, that, because, that could be good, that could be Yeah, solid. because you, you have uh, the Claim Fame engine as well, where you do have a pump. For your Arcanist and you can buy that card back pretty reliably.
0: Yeah, get more counters so, on all your things.
1: Yeah. I wonder if you get that kind of reach into the deck if that offers something. Because you do miss that when you lose uh the Croxa side of things. For sure. I mean, that's a that's a big part of the appeal of Croxas. You just get to those game states where you're gonna six your opponent in a turn and that's enough. And I, it, it's
0: I would still play a couple croxas. Like I Okay. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think that you have to turbo mill twenty cards into your graveyard to make it good, you know?
1: Sure. No, that makes sense to me. And DRC is a nice way to get that ancillary bit of mill without going all in the way some of these builds are. So I I think this is my next project. I want to spend some time building this Rakdos list. I've always been a fan of these archetypes, and I, I still think they're very good, even when they're quote unquote misbuilt and like the hard all in Croxa versions. I've always thought those decks were good, too. I went a lot with them. And I know a lot of other players feel the same way. So it just feels like maybe that deck doesn't get its due respect.
0: So four DRC, four Arcanist, let's say two Kroxa, two or three Young Pyromancer. Young
1: Pyromancer, yep.
0: And then I don't know how many claim fames you actually want to play because you're not, we're not trying to like mill ourselves hard, right? I wouldn't play more than one or two, I don't think. Yeah, I I was thinking two, like three is probably excessive if you're not milling yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you have some amount of Thoughtseize, Inquisition, definitely four Unholy Heat. If you want an extra removal spell, you could Betal play. Push. Yeah, you could play Push or uh, Davriel's Withering or Pillar, you know, depending yep. on how worried about Phoenix you are. Yep, that's fine.
1: Probably have some Soul Guide Lanterns main because you are a Luris deck. So you get extra value from that. That's you turn true. on your Delirium a little more. So all, all these pieces look, look and sound really nice together.
0: Yeah, definitely like that. And then uh, the. The burn spell, whatever it's called. I think it's static something.
1: Static something makes sense to me. I'm going to look it up because I actually got some feedback that people really appreciate it when we take the time to say the card names if we don't know them. And I I respect that. I understand. So, yeah, I'm going to hunt this one down.
0: The problem is I didn't even know how to start with looking it up. Like, what do I even Google to find that?
1: I I think what I'm going to look for, I'm opening Arena. I'm going to type in static first. We're going to see if, you know, your instinct is right here. Uh, after that, I think I'm going to do x plus one, and maybe that'll get me to what I want. So I was trying not to do collected. I was trying static to, didn't do it.
0: Oh man, I was wrong. No, uh, I was I was trying to do it without opening up Arena. Like I wanted to Google it because that would be easier. But I could open. Yeah. I could open. Oh no no no! Not collected might not work because I think you have to like explicitly sort by either jumpstart or something weird i'm gonna oh o- no i'm gonna open arena and look at my actual delver deck uh which actually i think i deleted because labs got banned but
1: this is riveting uh radio right
0: jumpstart uh was very confusing and and still is actually when it came out because i would sort by like historic and drc and unholy heat and stuff would not show up
1: why isn't x plus one working i don't I don't understand. Isn't that the way it works? No, it's counters on the card. Uh damage equal to counters. If I search for that. Equal. <laughs> this is this is maybe the worst segment we've ever done on. See, I thought Deco's about podcast. this. I was like,
0: what do I even Google to figure <laughs> this out? And I didn't know.
1: Uh I now I search for damage equal, and that doesn't seem to be getting me what I want. All right. All right, uh, so I'm
0: trying to log on to Arena, and it's it's not letting
1: me. Now I am, I'm just searching Jumpstart. So, okay, I'm just going to scroll through the red cards. I can go to the two mana cards, and it's going to be there. It, it has to be. It's
0: a 1R sorcery.
1: Static discharge. You See? were right. Yeah. You were right. Why didn't it show up?
0: Because Jumpstart is broken on Arena, dude.
1: the the people who knew what this card was have just been screaming at their their podcast for the last five minutes like please static discharge uh yeah static discharge one colis one red sorcery static discharge deals x damage to any target where x is three plus the number of charge counters on static discharge then put a perpetual charge counter on this card and each card named static discharge in your hand library and graveyard so you see where you're buying that back with red heart arcanist you can push some damage pretty quickly with this card yeah
0: Maybe there's, like, a a really medium, like, one-mana equipment that gives a thing a power, too, that you could play, like, as a fun of. It probably wouldn't be good, but...
1: uh, Well, we have Shadow Spear.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, like, one of the ones that are, like, B or R that just automatically equipped to the thing.
1: Okay, okay. Could do a search for that. I, I remember some black equipment that cost one black that actually... Went pretty large. Maybe it makes you sacrifice a creature or something. I don't know. This is, again, not great radio, but I have put a reminder in my decks now. I have a deck built with four static discharge and 24 mountains. When I see that, that'll remind me to build this Rakdos (laughs) Arcanist deck. So I will come back to that.
0: You're going to look at that and be like, where am I supposed to go from here? Am I supposed to play like, (laughs) you know? By trying to build like a Thrumming Stone deck, you should put the yes. Arcanist in there too, just
1: to just the burn deck. That's all. We're just going to put all the burn spells together. Okay, so that does it for our for our DRC bucket. I think.
0: Yes. Uh, uh, next
1: bucket, control. Big hit control took with uh, the banning, and it is a banning. I don't care what anyone says of Memory Lapse, but deck still extremely popular. Uh, there was an Indomitable Creativity list that did well. I think we did our spiel on this list already, neither one of us particularly high on it. Sarah's emissary, I think, only gets worse as you lose access to memory laps because you're going to get worse at controlling the battlefield. So it's either raceable or killable. It has to be one or the other. Uh and I think it's going to find itself in that position quite often now. So low on indomitable creativity. Anything change about that deck as far as your opinion goes?
0: Uh I think hard evidence is an awesome magic card for these archetypes. And kind of like bridges everything together, which is nice, but yeah, these decks are just like a, a little too awkward, a little too clunky, and now without Memory Lapse, you are kind of floundering in the early game, and I don't know, even even this list, it's like one Sweltering Suns, one Settle the Wreckage, one Baffling End, one game. Neg- it's like you don't have solid options for things, so you just play a mix and hope you draw the right thing at the right time, which is obviously not ideal and like not a great place to be for a deck like this. Yep. Whereas you look at the modern versions and it's like, oh, we just GM four of like the best cards and they're very obviously the best cards. But like this one also goes up to unexpected windfall, which is like, OK, I don't really know what we're doing. But
1: I guess that's more targets for your indomitable creativity and yeah, I mean, ways I, to win mana wars. And, I,
0: I, I get it. But it's also like if I were playing this deck, I would not want to have to include that card. And right. there's there's a lot of that stuff in this archetype for historic.
1: Yeah. So, not a big fan of that list. What about just regular control lists? You wrote about Azorius control last week in Historic. Where are you at on that list now?
0: So, I started working on Azorius when Laps was still legal. And I thought it was going to be awesome because the vast majority of of control decks were Jeskai. And they were Jeskai because they were leaning on some amount of like graveyard reliant thing. Usually it was like Gearhulk, Magma, Opus. Mm -hmm. Just like inexplicably. Like, I don't. I, I mean, I get it, it's uh, it's high upside, it's it's very powerful, it's kind of intoxicating to, like, do the flashy, busted thing, um, but, like, you just, you don't need to do that, right? Like, the, yeah, you have a bunch of sweepers, a bunch of good removal, and you just don't need to do this flashy thing to be able to take over against decks. and it's, I don't know, It's it, it does make you, like, pretty threat-dense in the control mirrors, which is kind of good, but I was just like, I'll just play a normal control deck and play like Relic of Progenitus Main. And Relic just gave you a huge edge against all the decks trying to like gear all Mizzix mastery things. And all the aggro decks had like a Phoenix and DRCs. Not mm-hmm. all of them. I mean, there's still like humans and Gruul and stuff like that, but like a lot of them, right? So like the best decks were all Graveyard Reliant. So I just wanted to play like both control because I thought it was good because it had Laps and Charm, which is just like the, the most rock solid counter wall you could possibly have, right? Yeah. And then you got Wrath of God for the creature decks and you had Graveyard Hate that was just very good. And I just I thought the deck was really good. And then laps got banned, which I mean certainly made the archetype weaker, but really didn't change all that much. Like Relic is still very good. I still think that uh if you have like a bunch of Graveyard Hate, you're really favored in the control mirrors. Like it's just kind of a joke. Yeah. And DRC is still there, it's still around and is Maybe better now, even so, it's still good there. And then, yeah, maybe the format opened up a little bit, and you're a little lighter on actual counter magic than you would like against someone trying to do busted stuff. But the bust, busted stuff usually uses the graveyard anyway, so relics are fine.
1: How about some busted stuff that doesn't use the graveyard? Yeah, sort of, sort of a new flavor of control seen a little bit more of this week. It's time for some. Is it epiphany? in historic and these lists at least the first list that are showing up they don't look that much different from the standard list it's still iterations both iterations present uh getting up to alrin's epiphany and it's still a late game that a lot of decks can't overcome you have the really solid option of archmage's charm although some lists uh aren't playing that maybe maybe inexplicably I, i think you're supposed to always play that uh and it's still, some people playing Divide by Zero. I think you can safely get away from that now. I don't think you're priced into that. And I'd rather just play, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think Sensor is an okay option in this deck. Sensor has a time and a place. Cycling, though, when you're looking for a very specific card, is really, really good. And
0: so, Jawari Disruption kind of like holds the deck together in standard. Yep. And Sensor is just such a much better version of that because. Yeah. If it goes dead on turn five or something, you get to cycle it for potentially a spell instead of a land. You know, it's it's so much better.
1: It's a big deal. And, you know, this deck still using the unexpected windfall engine, which I think is the way to do this. What has me really interested in this deck, though, is like it's doing this thing now. And you kind of poo-pooed this plan as far as it related to the Jeskai control decks. I think these Epiphany decks could do a lot more, though. They can do the Magma Opus uh, Mizzix mastery gear Hulk stuff. Now I I experimented with this. I posted a list in this article where I was doing that. I've spent some time with this. I actually don't think you want to play gear Hulk. I think that's just a mistake, but doing the magma opus Mizzix mastery stuff, the fact that you have another way now to sort of cheat up to your Alren's epiphany is really, really cool. You can go ahead and pitch that to an unexpected windfall and just get your first Epiphany on turn five if you have Mizzix Mastery ready. And Magma Opus moving you up the curve, also having Mizzix Mastery into Magma Opus. I think that set up. The setup of Epiphany, uh, Galvanic Iteration, Sensor is one of your removal spells, uh, maxing out on Archmage's Charm, and then having this top end of uh, Epiphany, as well as the plan to be able to Mizzix Mastery back a Magma Opus if you need to get on the battlefield quickly. There's something really interesting about this setup. And I don't know, man. If if I had a qualification this weekend for this event, I would be spending a lot of time right now trying to figure figure this puzzle out.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you also have Sweltering Suns and mm-hmm. Unholy Heat as yep. ways to interact that are just super cheap and efficient and suns, even like cycles and control mirrors and stuff like, yeah,
1: you can go they, ahead and play those soul guide lanterns too. I think that's completely respectable and totally yeah. fine for this deck. Again, another, uh, cycler kind of, and the the more you're moving through your deck with this velocity, the more likely you are to always, always, always have that epiphany end game when you're ready for it.
0: So the the standard versions typically have problems where maybe their cards are a little inefficient. They're a little bit clunky. You don't have good answers to various things and, for historic, it's like, okay, all those problems are solved because the, the blue and red cards are so, so good. So the question then becomes like, is Alren's Epiphany, uh, Windfall, Galvanic iteration, is that like the best endgame that you can hope for? And it might be for a lot of different reasons. So. It might not yeah. be the best in a vacuum, like maybe Opus Gear Hulk is just better in a, a vacuum. But like, given how things are, where... I don't know. It's it's like this this one shot thing, right? Where you're just like Gear Hulk Opus. I'm done. But like in Control Mirrors, that isn't necessarily game over. Or if they have one counter spell, they stop you. This is a deck that that just like keeps going, and you know, you just you set up like these very very inevitable kills, right? And that that might be the way to do it. Also, like you mentioned, just not really relying on the graveyard. Like iteration has flashback, but like if you're just chaining Alren's epiphanies. It doesn't matter if they have a lantern or a relic or whatever, who cares?
1: Yeah, it it really does not. And, I, like I said, this puzzle still has to be figured out. Neither the list I posted nor the list that anyone is playing has it completely sussed out. But there is there is something here. And the fact that all of your spells now cycle means you're just doing this thing so, so reliably. And your sweeper cycling is just uh, absurd for a deck like this. You, you never end up with dead cards. Sensor, like you mentioned, huge upgrade over Druari Disruption. So I am encouraging everyone, if you have this event, if you're inclined, if you're this type of player, Uh, You're comfortable tuning decks. You are very, very comfortable playing a control strategy. You owe it to yourself to spend some time looking at it epiphany this weekend. And I I will post my current list uh, over in our Discord so folks can get a look at it. I don't know that my list is done, uh, and I've been focused on other formats, so I haven't quite finished it. But I am happy to have someone else pick up my work and find something special with it.
0: One of the things that became apparent through testing Azorius was that Teferi Hero of Dominaria is not like slam dunk, the best thing that you can be doing in control now, because this gets a little bit worse with Lapscon too, is that it's really hard to play this both on a dry battlefield where Mm -hmm. it's just going to like stick and take over the game or that your opponent can't take that window to then just like kill you or get super far ahead. So having something like this where you are just, you know, controlling the tempo of the early and mid game. And then eventually you just play like a bunch of spells from your hand to win the game. I think is really appealing compared to like tapping out for Teferi and hoping it sticks and all that works out. But yeah, the, the list you post in your article didn't have Archmage's Charm. You had one search for Escanta, but like Ascanta seems like maybe one of the best cards that you could possibly play in this sort of deck. So I would want to start with two maybe. But, Fine with that. But yeah, like Epiphany, Windfall iteration is powerful, and then if if you want to pepper in a backup plan uh, with like Opus Mastery, you mentioned like No Gear Hulk, maybe a little too clunky. I I could I could totally get that. I totally see that.
1: Yeah, that that's the main move from the list of my article is moving away from Gear Hulk. Uh, and I, I still don't think you have to like go all in on Opus Mastery. I don't think you need four Opus just because you have Mastery. Like I mentioned, you can Mastery back your Epiphany, uh, Mastery back... so so many options there there's plenty of fine things you can do with that card where you're getting enough value out of it where you don't only have to do the opus thing so i'm fine only having like three copies of opus i think that's respectable and sometimes you'll just i mean if you played the second standard you know how it is you need to ramp to that eight mana point and sometimes opus will do that for you so
0: yeah that's why i think search is just really good as long as you're not super reliant on the graveyard overall yep you know no, that's uh, fair. But like, yes, yeah, search could also deposit epiphany into your graveyard, yes, it which can. then allows you to mastery it. So, I, I think a lot of that makes sense.
1: Yeah, redundant copies too. Uh, it's More typings to turn on your unholy heats, which is not something I really focused on. I was okay with like if unholy heat gets kicked up, that's that's fine. Yeah, I I do think though with the absence of Gear Hulk, uh, you know, maybe you need to go harder on Soul Guide Lantern and Search for counter, and that's what's eating up those slots, and I'm fine with that.
0: Yep. Uh, it should also be worth noting that like search is a little bit more resilient than it was before because everyone is playing Archmage Storm. They don't really have room for field of ruin.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good point.
0: So that that has definitely been a thing that, that came up in my testing where I eventually wanted a couple copies of field of ruin. Like Hall of Storm Giants is obviously pretty strong too. So
1: it matters. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to see where this archetype ends up. Definitely work to be done, but it's it's going to be a good one. I promise you.
0: And then your last tier zero deck, I suppose we could talk about that.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, I, I've, I've said it all before. Jund is is still here. It's still keeping other uh, creature decks in check. Mayhem Devil plus Thoughtseize Disruption and then Witch's Oven and Cauldron Familiar can literally beat anything. There's, there's nothing that a good draw from this deck can't contend with. And also there's the curveball right now where you could be as opposed to these grindy Jun food list, you could just be a combo list. And Jun Citadel seems to have uh, a lot of things going for it at the moment. Not a lot of ways to challenge Citadel from people. Uh, the loss of memory lapse certainly helps this card's stock because you're not just investing six mana and getting blown out. So uh, I think both of these decks are uh, maybe John Citadel is closer to like tier 1.5, but John Food will be tier zero for as long as it's in the format, I believe.
0: Yeah, it is. It's very good. Uh, it's it's one of the reasons that I made sure to uh, add like a second Aethergust to my Phoenix yep. sideboard. Yep. And it was one of the matchups where when testing Azorius, and, like, grant, granted I didn't lose to this deck all that often, but like it was definitely one of the decks that made tapping out for Teferi be a little bit awkward because they had multiple sources of like small amounts of damage where it's like, you know, you have Cauldron Familiar Oven, you have maybe a Mayhem Devil that can come down alongside that or with a Fable Passage or whatever, they can just like punish you with Binding or Corvold or something. And mm-hmm. just like Teferi does not feel good. And it's definitely one of the decks that makes Alrun's Epiphany more palatable as a win condition.
1: I agree. And not much to add beyond that. If, if you're good, I'm I'm fine with moving on to our last bucket. Yeah, let's do it. So, last bucket, creatures. Uh, just play to attacking a little bit of disruption sometimes, and I think there are three big contenders as far as creatures go right now. Maybe two, maybe maybe putting this Golgari aggro deck, which finished second in this tournament, and has certainly been around. This is basically just your big dumb green creatures, uh, collected company, a little bit of thoughtsies in the sideboard, and basically exactly what you would expect. Llanowar Elves into Steel Leaf Champion beats a lot of people for sure.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say the deck has Steel Leaf Champion. That kind of gives you an idea of of what this deck is about, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's completely fine. But the two creature strategies, which have really gained a lot recently, Selesnya Humans. I think one of the big pickups that I missed for this deck is uh, Adeline, Resplendent Cathar, which I just pegged as a very good standard card. But it it fits in this archetype. Its size is really good for the format. Four can matter quite often. I think that in conjunction with Thalia's Lieutenant, this makes some really, really imple- impressive battlefields very quickly. So it seemed like it wasn't going to be a big deal. Uh, you know, Esper Sentinel is probably the card that drew more people to humans. But I think Adeline has mattered a lot as well. And of course, Brutal Cathar being just good removal. I mean, there's just a lot of tools for this archetype now.
0: Yeah, I, I kept building humans decks where I, I tried to mirror the the modern versions at first because we had like Ziggurat and mm-hmm. claim territory and stuff like that. Meddling Mage was in the format and it was it was definitely lacking, you know, didn't, didn't have Champion of the Parish, was just lacking in one drops in general. And I don't know, you play like a two drop into like a general Kudrow or something. And it's just embarrassing compared to what. The other folks were doing in the format, and now yeah. you have Esper Sentinel and Three Inspector in the One Drop slot. You have uh, a lot of really good disruption going up the curve with like Thalia and Spellbinder. Bruil Cathar is a, you know pretty normal, like three mana Fiend Hunter kind of thing, but it's also a human. And then Adeline is just kind of like this this heavy hitter. So. Uh, This deck kind of has everything that it needs now and gets to play collected company. You have Yasharn in the sideboard. Uh, Obviously food is very strong. You're probably going to play against it like anywhere from 10 to 20% of your matches in, in a qualifier. So definitely want to be prepared for that. Yasharn is one of the best cards to do that.
1: Yeah. I also have to mention Ranger Captain of Eos. You know, if I'm going to talk about why I think Epiphany is good, to challenge the format, I should certainly point out where some decks are already set up to sort of push that deck a little bit in ways that's not comfortable with. Ranger Captain of Eos, not only is it getting more fodder, and especially in the form of Esper Sentinel, which also gets more fodder. Um, Thraven Inspector, of course, can do the same trick, but also it really messes up your ability to do your combo turns or to even sweep the battlefield if that's what this deck needs to protect against. So I, I think Ranger Captain of Eos is... Another huge, huge get for this particular setup of humans, very different from how modern uh, does it, but an important card in the strategy for sure.
0: Yeah, it's solid. I I don't know if you're playing Epiphany against humans, they have so much disruption that you're basically never going to be able to just goldfish them. So no matter Gotta be wh- the control deck for yeah, sure. no matter what, you're going to have to like shave on a bunch of wind condition type stuff, add more removal, more sweepers, more card drawing and just play that game.
1: Mm hmm. Fine approach. Uh, One more creature deck. And I know this seems like a joke, but it really shouldn't. Simic Murphil. It's not bad. No, they they printed cards to make this. They literally created a card to make this deck good. So if that's what you're going to do, mission accomplished. Uh, The addition of Shoreline Scout is it's just a good beater for this deck. You really needed another aggro one drop and this does that and fixes your mana and then you have uh i have no idea how to pronounce this card how do you pronounce this lord from modern horizons 2 uh sveilun okay that's close enough for me sveilun of sea and sky uh merfolk lord if you're not familiar with this that's okay Uh, i had to read it a couple times to remind myself of what it did but sveilun of sea and sky is a uu134 legendary creature merfolk god it has indestructible as long as you control at least two other merfolk when Sveilun attacks, draw a card. And then I think the key thing here, uh, other merfolk you control have ward one. And I I think this matters a lot in the context of this format, where we talk all the time about Jun doing a great job at containing creature-based menaces. Sveilun is tailor-made to fight back against that. And beyond that, it's just a good lord. So I, I am not at all surprised to see merfolk pick up metagame share.
0: Yeah, the, the Merfolk Lord, S Sentinel, Thalia, like the the taxing effects are the things that are propping up these aggro decks for sure, and it's not close. Because every, yeah. everyone else is being super efficient with Unholy Heat or zero mana Mayhem Devil triggers, and you just need to punish that stuff to be able to compete. So one of the, the first things that I noticed looking through this Merfolk deck is that there's only three Silvergill adepts. And I was like, that's weird. Well, I think what I notice now that might be even weirder is that the fourth one is in the sideboard.
1: Just for those times where you're you're really looking for a silver gull adept, you can't live without it.
0: I, I don't know. I'd be hard to it'd be hard for me to get away from that in game one.
1: You think like something like uh, one of the Lords, so like a Mistbinder or maybe the rejury i mean rejury is a card that when it goes off in merfolk it feels like your best card yeah it's so clunky though like it the three is. mana lord is is so tough especially when you're already in on i i've already forgotten how to say this card i'm never going to say its name again actually i'm just done with it the the stupid god that gives your thing award
0: seeing sky uh,
1: yeah yeah seeing sky i like that one but, um, but you want
0: three mana cards to company into and i think that's the problem
1: you do you do for sure um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in my case, I certainly won't be putting any creatures into play with Collected Company. I probably have to cut these miscasts and Fading Hope. But I do think for normal humans, the balance here is good. I think these are the right spells to support this deck. And I think Merfolk is just good. And you're not making a poor choice by playing it.
0: No, me either. It's it's solid. It's like pretty fun, too. And uh, the games are like surprisingly interactive for Mm -hmm. a 30 creature deck. So I have not built this deck myself, but I played against it a decent amount on ladder and the games are always like pretty interesting. So it's good. Same can be said of humans too.
1: Yep. What else is out there? Anything off the radar that you're into anything uh, you're working on right now that you would encourage people to look at heading into this weekend? Or is there anything you just think it is in the metagame, but it's going to surprise us with how good it does?
0: I've I've been pretty honed in on as of a couple of weeks ago is Azorius Control and then uh Recently I went through and like cleared out all of my decks because like there's no real point to like brewing in standard anymore. And uh I just Man, that's,
1: that's so disappointing.
0: And I just I I saw the Phoenix deck and wanted to build that. So I was like, I can just delete all this nonsense. I don't even remember what kind of garbage I was working on. You know, I guess like the Niv decks are things that show up okay. and do occasionally well. I don't know how like what the representation was like in the Red Bull events. It was present. Uh, it, it didn't do great. I remember one in sort
1: of like the middle of the pack, maybe like the 17, 18th place range. But uh, I, I didn't choose to highlight it because, number one, I don't know that it really falls in a particular bucket. Number two, I don't love it. I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to be exploiting right now. And NIV has always been like a reaction to, oh, the format's getting really fair. Well, this is as fair as you can get, and I'm going to outvalue you over and over and over, and I don't really have that vibe from this kind of format right now.
0: Yeah, the the one thing I will say about my Azorius approach is that it is a lot easier for a deck like the, the Niv deck to bully Azorius than it is uh, for them to bully like the Gear Alk Magma Opus ones, because mm-hmm. they can like go over the top of you and they have answers for Teferi and stuff like that. They have uh, Dobin's Veto for Disruption and stuff like that, so the the just Guy deck at least has that angle of like a comeback mechanism whereas azorius doesn't really like you need things to line up and answer their cards like on a one-for-one basis as they come out but uh other than that it's just like it's gonna get pretty beat up by like humans and merfolk and i think decks uh any of the drc decks with staying power are also going to be good against it sure so makes sense yeah format's not really in a great place for it uh I, I guess, like, they're a little bit bigger than the food decks, but Bulls of Citadel can beat them, and Corvolt can beat them, so you're still mm-hmm. not even a lock there. I would agree. I mean, it's fun. You have Territorial, Kavu, you get to play a bunch of sweet cards. I get it.
1: Unfortunately, we're looking for Ws this weekend. Uh, high stakes tournament, I guess. Uh, I actually don't know what the stakes are. I think you qualify for something. They haven't announced what you're qualifying for, right?
0: Well... Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think the details are out there, but I do think it's set championships, you know? It's, okay. it, they're basically just like one-off pro tours that don't lead to anything. Okay. And may or may not have less money, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, what they announced, what they promised for this season uh, that they could, you know, try and walk back on or whatever. So. <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back with an
1: angry podcast when the time is right for that. But uh, as for now, I, I just wish everyone the best of luck this weekend. I think historic... It remains a good format. I enjoy most of my historic games. It's weird. I often want to like bash it and complain about it and talk about how it's nonsense, but I have a good time playing it. And I, I think that's what ultimately matters.
0: I the, the thing that gets me is that it is, it is nonsense, but it's still like, pre, you know, the games are pretty good, especially now. Like now they have done a good job of weeding out some of the problematic stuff and giving prints to... You know, decks needed need it, like the Murpho getting some of the cards that it got and humans getting some of the stuff that it got. And it's like the format is like fairly diverse at this point, especially yeah. after the recent bannings and everything. That Jumpstart
1: did a good job. I, I really have to eat my words about that set. I was extremely concerned about it. And I, I think it sort of revitalized the metagame. And did it need to be revitalized? I don't know. I, it was probably fine previously. And I think uh, it's
0: it's better now than it was three months ago.
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, certainly, like, Mystical Archive was kind of a disaster. That was a disaster. But I think we've recovered from that for the most part, and I, I guess there's no harm in taking the shots uh, other than the harm done to my wallet, but, you know, what do we say? Business expense, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just write it Business
1: off. expense, write it off.
0: Yeah, overall, it is good. I, I wish that there was more of a, a pipeline to, like, real-life play, uh, if and when that ever comes back, you know, but it's with with the direction they're taking it, it's just like very obscure list of what's legal and especially the perpetual cards and things of that nature, it's just like clearly that's never going to happen. That kind of makes me sad because uh, Pioneer was sort of like poised to have that moment. Like they had a, a pro tour. I think that there may be like some opens that had Pioneer before everything shut down.
1: Uh there's an Invitational. I don't know if an, we ever an invitational. did an open. Yeah, I did play
0: yeah. the Invitational that had Pioneer. And it was like, Having having that sort of format that feels power level in between modern and standard, I think is a good thing. Yeah, and, I agree with you. You know, maybe maybe you should just be Pioneer and that's fine. But like Historic has its own quirks that are kind of appealing to me, too, that Pioneer doesn't really have. So I don't know. It just kind of is what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good summation of the way all of Magic is. It is what it is. We'll be back next week with uh, more Wizarding. New set. In oh, Crimson yeah. Vow.
0: Time for more. It's time for preview season
1: again, baby. We're back
0: in it. Yeah, we could go over the results of SCG Con or the historic tournament, but now we'll probably be talking previews. New cards. Love it. Game.
1: Good luck.